Are you ready to take your business to the next level? Every day, there are countless books and articles that are published offering the key on how to make your business a success. It's easy to feel overwhelmed trying to keep up and run your business. That's why Deb Creer created the Business Power Hour. Keep up on the latest trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. Let the Business Power Hour do the heavy work for you. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And we're going to have kind of a multi-topic conversation today because we're going to be talking about personal aspects, and then we're also going to be talking about professional things. So please join me in welcoming Nancy May to our program today. Welcome, Nancy. Thank you, Deb. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. Great. Well, and Nancy is a fellow C-suite networker, and so we always love it when we get to have guests on from there. But let me tell people a little bit about you, and then we will dive into this. So Nancy May is a corporate leader, business advisor, author, speaker, and nationally recognized podcast host. She has spent her career working with CEOs, boards of directors, and senior leaders in the public and private corporate sectors. These experiences gave her the strength and foundation to step in and provide her parents with guidance and support, both as their power of attorney and trustee and diehard advocate as they aged. Nancy credits her father, an entrepreneur, innovator of innovative eyewear design, and her mom for encouraging and preparing her to acquire the many skills needed to start, build, and lead several successful businesses. She has transitioned these competencies and life lessons into her new business, Caremanity LLC, which focuses on providing family caregivers structured ways to obtain practical knowledge, resources, and access much needed support. And then we're also going to talk about something else that Nancy does a little bit later. But Nancy, again, welcome to our program. Thank you. Well, you know, I always like to find out from my guests how it is that they got to where they are today. So how is it you know, that, that you got here and, and discovered that this is your passion in life? Oh, geez. With the caregiving component, that actually started with, um, you know, my joke is that it started from the age of five and I didn't know it when my mom uh, had made sure that I was, as the oldest child, able mm-hmm. to take care of any situation okay. in case of an emergency mm-hmm. or disaster. Mm-hmm. My dad traveled a lot on the road as a mm-hmm. business owner and entrepreneur. And I had a younger sister who was ill at the time mm-hmm. and eventually did pass. She mm-hmm. was four and a half when she passed from childhood mm-hmm. leukemia, which mm-hmm. thankfully today they're pretty good at curing. Right. Mm-hmm. But I was you know, the oldest daughter. And mm-hmm. so in case things um, went belly up. Uh, mm-hmm. I knew how to dial nine one one, and and I, she, my mom and my my aunt would uh, my mom would lay on the floor, and my aunt, who was her younger sister, thirteen mm-hmm. years younger, would come over and pretend to ring the doorbell. Mm-hmm. And this sounds anybody who's a psychologist who's listening mm-hmm. thinks this is like this poor child grew up in a wacko situation. Mm-hmm. But my mom would lay there and pretend that she was either dying or dead mm-hmm. or on the or the way out, mm-hmm. and my aunt would say, "Nancy, Nancy." The doctor's at the door. Call 911. No, call 911. So mm-hmm. on my little red plastic phone, mm-hmm. <laughs> I would dial 911. Right. But um, but later on, over time, my dad always prepared me for where things were, mm-hmm. what would happen in case of emergency. Mm-hmm. My parents told me if anything happened to them, where my sister mm-hmm. and I would be protected and right. safe, which was a friend's dude ranch out in Arizona. I thought, mm-hmm. well, can you like go away for a couple of weeks so I can try that out when I'm yeah, younger? Yeah, yeah, let's, let's <laughs> test this. Mm-hmm. It was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But uh, but beyond that, you know, later on in life, you you, you grow up mm-hmm. and you don't think about those things. Right. But I think they were always forefront, uh, no matter what I mm-hmm. did, because we care about our parents, right? Mm-hmm. And when it came, came time that they needed my help, I was ready to step into those roles. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until the I could, they say battles happened mm-hmm. where they really needed my help with, mm-hmm. with care facilities, with mm-hmm. doctors, with um, just the life decisions mm-hmm. that I drove in head first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, I've always been a creative problem solver. Mm-hmm. 
So I found ways to say, um, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it mm-hmm. anymore. Right. <laughs> Anybody remembers that, that mm-hmm. movie, uh, which I think was called Network. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and I took it very personally. Mm-hmm. So um, that's kind of how I got mm-hmm. into it. Right. Well, I mean, it comes back to the, the old Boy Scout model. Be prepared. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and we, we all hear about you know, you should be running drills at your house, you know, especially if say you are in a multi-story, you know, how, how do you get out? And it doesn't matter if you're, you know, three years old or 90 years old, you know, how do you get out? Um, you know, we have to do this every time when they're talking, you know, when we get on an airplane, even, you know, no matter how many times they fly, they still tell us, you go here, you go here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Um, and, and part of that is, it just, it, you know, we it we have to keep practicing because when something bad happens, our brain goes. <laughs> Muscle memory is a wonderful thing, mm-hmm. and and I grew up in the generation where in Long Island, where mm-hmm. um, I, I was born, we had community drills mm-hmm. it, at certain times mm-hmm. in the year. The entire community said, "Okay, in case of an emergency, mm-hmm. this is what you need to do. This right. is how your family goes out." Mm-hmm. We all practice in mm-hmm. our neighborhood, right? And uh, and I went to college. My parents actually sent me to college with one of those aluminum ladders that you put out the, ah, the mm-hmm. window. <laughs> I'm probably the only student in the entire school that had one of these things. But, but I you knew how would to have use been sur- you would have survived. You know, and, and, yeah, and, and everybody would have been following me out the window. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's funny, you know, that you know, because we all grew up having fire drills, you know, and, and things like that. And and but I remember I grew up <clears throat> long enough ago that it was still the Cold War. Yeah. And we would get, you know, we had drills for that where we would get under our desks. And I still remember thinking. I don't think this is going to stop us from a nuclear bomb. <laughs> yeah, I, did, I never lived through that part, but I do remember seeing the signs that said air raid shelter in mm-hmm, our mm-hmm. cafeteria. Right. And it always made an impression on me. Yeah. Well, and we should just always know where some of those things are, you know, because storms happen. You know, I grew up where you know, you had tornado shelters mm-hmm. and, and things like that. And, and so it's it is always good to be prepared. But of course, the, the biggest thing is that we have to have communicated with Correct. our parents, with our with our spouse, our kids, all of those as to what everybody wants, um, you know, what what plans are, things like that. I mean, like, like you said, your parents said, you know, something happens, you're going to end up with our friends in Arizona. Um, you know, I think our neighbors have told their kids, if something happens, you go over to Deb and Tom's, um, right. you know, so these little people would appear at our door. But, you know, all of these things, you have to have communicated them. And, and again, multiple times so that people remember, because just telling them once, hey, do this, they're not going to remember. You know, I'm not sure. Of course, I, I don't have children. My husband and I don't have children, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure that I hear enough of these conversations mm-hmm. with friends over the years. Right. And it's, it's, it seems to be a different time mm-hmm. that there's a higher level of trust in what mm-hmm. happens around you or mm-hmm. maybe even isolation because mm-hmm. we trust our phones and the people that mm-hmm. are there as opposed to really knowing our neighbors, mm-hmm. which is a very different um, type of a way right. of living, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we are kind of unique. Um, Now we are at the end of a cul-de-sac, so we're kind of a captive audience, but we know everybody that's down here. And, you know, and, and so, you know, we do things like, uh, you know, if, if, you know, we're, we're the only ones that have a basement out of like the, the five houses that are down here. So when we get, you know, bad weather and the, the sirens might be going off, I text my neighbors and I say, remember, you can always come here you know, bring your critters um, and and come into our basement. You know, don't you don't hesitate to to think that you can't. Um, you know, but yeah, in in many neighborhoods, you would never do that because you don't even know who they are, let alone have their information to be able to text them. Yeah, we moved from Connecticut down to Florida recently, mm-hmm. and our neighbors across the street from us in the woods up in mm-hmm. Connecticut, we were always checking in on one another. Mm-hmm. Do you have power? We don't right. have power. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, a snowstorm. Come over to our house. Mm-hmm. We're making chili mm-hmm. or it's power's outage. We're doing mm-hmm. an empty the refrigerator party. Right. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Can you cook on yeah. your grill? Mm-hmm. So we mm-hmm. did those things down here when we moved. Actually, when my I had my moved my parents into the house that we're in right now, the first thing, one of the first things I did when I came down here to visit was 
sort of get a surveying of the, of the neighborhood and mm-hmm. see what was happening in mm-hmm. the neighborhood. It's very quiet. It's a, mm-hmm. it's an HOA, mm-hmm. which I'm not used to, but they all seem to know that it was the older couple that was there. And mm-hmm. the neighbors across the street who were also in the medical field mm-hmm. made sure that my aides knew that they could always knock on their door mm-hmm. and call on them if need be. And so we've gotten to do the same thing mm-hmm. now that we're down here. Um, we're not best of friends with them because we've only been here a short while, mm-hmm. but we certainly know who they are. Right. And I would feel no problem knocking mm-hmm. on, on somebody's door if I needed it. Right. You know, and some of that is, I, I think it, it, it has definitely changed. Yeah. Um, you know, we, where I grew up now, I grew up in a mountain community in Colorado where we quite frequently were shut off from the rest of the world because of weather. Um, right. You had to go over a mountain pass to get out, you know, no matter which direction you went, it was a mountain pass. And so when the weather got bad, we were in. And and so we did rely on each other and we did check on each other, um, yeah. you know, and, and I think that's one of the things that we have lost, um, you know, and, and, and then it's, 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 it's weird. It's kind of been made worse in the pandemic because initially, at least we were completely shut in and you weren't supposed to check on other people. You weren't, spo- or you weren't supposed to, to be communicating with them. And you know, and, and I think that was was a problem, especially with some mental health issues and, and things like this. You know, people were just so isolated that, you know, things things went south quickly. Um, you know, we did some things here where every Saturday we'd come out to the end of the cul-de-sac and people don't drive down here because, you know, they dead end. Um, and so we set out our chairs and everybody stayed, you know, six, 10 feet apart. And we would just sit and catch up on the week or we would play cornhole or whatever. <laughs> and that really helped with that, that feeling of isolation. Sure. Yeah. You know, Zoom was, is, and still is a great mm-hmm. tool for mm-hmm. connecting, but it's not the same as connecting with somebody who's across the street or right. next door. Mm-hmm. And I think Zoom helped a lot with mental health in many mm-hmm. cases, but in case of an emergency and you know, you're in Atlanta and I'm mm-hmm. down here in Florida, right. I wouldn't know what town to mm-hmm. call to mm-hmm. get 911 help mm-hmm. for you if if you needed it right and vice versa mm-hmm. so that's that's a thing that i think we need to mm-hmm. try and figure out from a social media perspective mm-hmm. how do we bridge those gaps mm-hmm. right well and you know it, it can be and we you know we see this happen all the time where maybe we're reading somebody's instagram posts their facebook posts mm-hmm. things like that and we can tell there's something wrong um you know and 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 then you have to figure out okay do we call the authorities you know, and and hey, how do we figure out who those are? I mean, if you call nine one one, you clearly get your local people. You know, can they connect you with you know wherever out in in Utah or or you know things like that? Or as simple as just even looking at the mailbox, mm-hmm. there was uh, well, our local carrier back north knew when there was an issue with somebody just based on how much mail had piled right. up. Mm-hmm. And typically knowing whether somebody was traveling or not, mm-hmm. but if it was a lone person, an older mm-hmm. person by themselves. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, those people would wait at the end of their mailbox just to have a conversation mm-hmm. with the mail carrier. Mm-hmm. And that's pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. So I remember hearing those conversations at the post office. Geez, you know, Mrs. Smith is having this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, her mails, they call, they call the local police department mm-hmm. to just do a welfare check, right. mm-hmm. which, is, which is good to know that mm-hmm. you have... Other people in the community you may not know socially, mm-hmm. but right. just keeping an eye out for yeah. one another. Well, and people are always, oh, we don't want to intrude. We don't want to you know, cause a problem. I'm sorry. It's much better to apologize than to than for there to have actually been a problem. Um, yeah. you know, and and so and and I, I might be a little annoyed at somebody if, say, you know, they had the police appear on my doorstep, but I would be more grateful that they were paying attention. Growing up, my mom had told me that hurricanes would hit Long Island Mm -hmm. where we were living. Growing up, my dad, as I said, mentioned traveled Mm -hmm. a lot and it never failed that the police department or police officer would knock on my mom's door Mm -hmm. during a hurricane or at Mm -hmm. the end of a hurricane. And my mom would say, okay, please tell me it was my mother-in-law who was checking Mm-hmm. Yes, Mrs. May, it was your mother-in-law who mm-hmm. called to make sure you and the girls mm-hmm. are okay. So, right. oh, you know, that was her level of exasperation, mm-hmm. but she knew that my grandmother cared right. about, mm-hmm. about her daughter-in-law mm-hmm. and, and her grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You know, we had a situation not long ago where I was supposed to meet someone and they didn't show up. 
and could not reach them on phone, could not reach them on text. And I knew that they had had some issues. And so it was, okay, do we go to the house? Do we, you know, what do we do? Right. And, you know, and, and, and then it's a matter of, you know, immediacy. Okay. Yep. You know, if, if we don't hear from them in an hour, do we do something further? Um, you know, and, and luckily everything was, was okay. And, you know, it was just kind of one of those situations, but she got spoken a little sharply to that, you know, she had, had, um, you know, kind of let us uh, kind of dangle there for a while, but, you know, it's, again, you know, we need to common sense maybe needs to, to come back into the conversation where if you're thinking, you know, they're, you know, they haven't cut their lawn in a while or look, there's, you know, six newspapers sitting there when they mm-hmm. normally take their newspaper in every day. And the car is still in the driveway. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Especially if, yeah, if you know that they are there, you know, even if you're just doing things like glancing out and seeing, are there lights on? at night um you know is there clearly something that's going on especially if you do have older neighbors um you know or or people who have health concerns you know again it's it's better to apologize than to to you know have a, a catastrophe happen i agree you know and and when we're dealing with our parents with our family members things like that as i said you know it's the important thing is really to have communicated um you know and 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 have your legal ducks in a row is, you know, of course, one of the big things, um, you know, when I was diagnosed with cancer in 2015, first thing I did was medical power of attorney and a will. Now, you know, it was what I got off the internet. It said husband, husband, husband. I mean, you know, it was, it was really easy. Better easy. than nothing. Right. And, you know, but, and, 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 and since then we've actually done very detailed ones, but, um, you know, we set up a trust and, and all sorts of things. I mean, they, they got really detailed. Who's going to care for the cats and the dogs? I mean, you know, things like that. But, you know, those those are actually very important. And it's, you know, and, and you know, there should be things too. You know, what happens to your business? Um, yep. If you were the business owner, who does all of those things? But it, it comes back to that communication. Um, you know, I had a, a my, my best friend from kindergarten. So I've known each other, you know, we've known each other. I've got 20, one of those too. 20 yeah. years, right? Um, she contacted me and she said, you know, would you be my executor? And and I said, yes. Um, you know, and and so even just figuring things like that out, but clearly medical powers of attorney are, especially when you have older parents, that's one of the things that you absolutely have to get taken care of. But so many times nobody wants to do it for a variety of reasons. I mean, you know, but I think there's the the whole, we're going to jinx it. If we have it, we're going to make something happen. You know, we don't want to admit that we might need it. So how do you kind of start having those conversations? You know, I think the conversations really have to start early in, in life in general mm-hmm. so that everybody's comfortable with them. Right. But if they haven't really being able to sit down and gently have those discussions saying, these are, these are my wishes. Mm-hmm. What would your wishes be? Mm-hmm. And even if it's over a cup of tea, a glass mm-hmm. of wine, a meal, whatever it is, just to soften mm-hmm. the anxiety mm-hmm. of those discussions, because at some point we're all going to leave this earth. Right. And we, we don't want to think about those last days, mm-hmm. but it's important to know that and at least have a conversation in, in mm-hmm. thinking about what you want, mm-hmm. right? Um, I knew exactly what my dad wanted. My mm-hmm. dad was a fighter right to the end. And I fought like hell as much as I could. Till mm-hmm. We couldn't fight anymore. Mm-hmm. And it was hard. The hardest thing for me to do as, as POA and mm-hmm. durable power of attorney for my dad was to sign that DNR, which mm-hmm. he did not have. Right. And to me, the emotional part of that was like I'd given up. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that was really hard. You know, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's. I explained it to a friend who uh, who said, well, how is that? And I said, you know, this sounds really stupid, but it it's kind of like I felt like I was taking my dog to be mm-hmm. put down. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You've made that and decision. It, it was my dad. Mm-hmm. It, it was right. like I was equating mm-hmm. my dad with my dog. Mm-hmm. But it was it was a similar kind of decision mm-hmm. when you have right. to make that for, mm-hmm. for an animal because you're still emotionally attached mm-hmm. to that animal. And, and that hurt me more mm-hmm. than anything. And the fear of not being there when he left, yet making sure, because my father was a business professional, mm-hmm. I followed in his footsteps. Mm-hmm. I learned everything that I could from him mm-hmm. um, and made sure that everything was buttoned up right to the very, mm-hmm. very last end. Mm-hmm. And I walked in from the funeral home to the house mm-hmm. just as he was ready to take his last breath. Mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, timing was everything. Mm-hmm. I thought he had missed it, but mm-hmm. um, our, our aide said, no, Nance. He waited. He waited till you mm-hmm. were there and mm-hmm. then he exhaled. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the final conversation that we had, you know, they always mm-hmm. have that final conversation saying it's okay to go. My mm-hmm. dad was, was desperately fearful. My terms, probably not his, but I know emotionally he was worried about my mom. They've mm-hmm. been married right. for 65 mm-hmm. years. They just missed their 65th anniversary oh. by mm-hmm. two weeks, mm-hmm. literally, not even maybe 10, five days. Mm-hmm. And um, so my conversation with my dad was, okay, dad, here are the finances. Mm-hmm. Here's I've got everything under control. Right. You don't need to worry about mm-hmm. mom. I'll take the best care of her. You don't need to worry about my sister. Everything mm-hmm. will be taken care of. And you taught me well. Mm-hmm. So um, that's that was my conversation mm-hmm. with him, mm-hmm. and it was it it was an easier for com- it was easier for me to have that conversation than mm-hmm. it was um, probably other conversations where I wouldn't know what to say, mm-hmm. and right. the words would be empty, not mm-hmm. empty in 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 words, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't know how to mm-hmm. anchor them where there would be that connection. Although mm-hmm. I know that the love was there in mm-hmm. just those conversations that right. we had. Right. My mom was a whole different story. You know, mm-hmm. mom, mom and I, in fact, you, you talk about relationships with doctors before mm-hmm. we got on the call was um, my mom always told me if, if I ever get a, to a point of vegetation, shoot me. <laughs> so my mm-hmm. mom had a, a massive brain aneurysm mm-hmm. the day after Thanksgiving and I flew down and got there that night mm-hmm. and the doctor came in and said, well, you know, what do you want to do? Do you mm-hmm. want her to go into hospice? Do you know how do we stay at the hospital? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> And my sense of humor, a little warped at times, told the doctor, well, she wants well, my to be mother shot. said we must be the shooter. You should have, this doctor, the, the look on his face was a state of panic. Yes. I said, we can't legally do that. And I said, I know, but I'm just letting you know yes, that this, yes. my mother's wishes were to yes, not, not to drag on. this out. Mm-hmm. Right. And in fact, the, mm-hmm. the ER nurse on the phone had said, we want to do brain surgery mm-hmm. on her. And ah. they're going to, yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And I said, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. I knew what she mm-hmm. wanted and how to make that decision. Right. And it was definite. I mm-hmm. knew I was, the, the decision to sign the, the, well, she had a DNR, but the decision mm-hmm. to say no more. Um, life-saving mm-hmm. equipment mm-hmm. or, or mm-hmm. efforts um, was was very grounded with mom. Right. Because I knew exactly mm-hmm. what she wanted. Mm-hmm. And she would so, have haunted you if you oh, had done something different, right? Desperately, desperately. Mm-hmm. And she was with us for 10 days. We brought her mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, you know, I held her home. And at mm-hmm. night, we took turns sleeping next mm-hmm. door. And every night, you know, I... Mom, it's Nance. It's Nance, mm-hmm. and very quietly, although she wasn't able to say anything or mm-hmm. even open. She only opened her eyes once when I said it's Nance mm-hmm. uh, at the hospital, and mm-hmm. then never opened them again. But she would gently hold my hand and just mm-hmm. just gently squeeze it, so mm-hmm. I knew she could hear me. She was there, mm-hmm. and she knew that she was not alone. And mm-hmm. that that I think was the most mm-hmm. important thing that she right. people who loved mm-hmm. her desperately were right mm-hmm. there with her mm-hmm. to to make mm-hmm. her process mm-hmm. her own, right. Yeah, it it was interesting when my father passed, it was the opposite of that. Um, He had dementia. And so I tell people, my mom did too. Yeah, Yeah. he was gone long before he was gone. Um, You know, I'd gone through that grieving process. I mean, that that little old man who was there, that wasn't dad. Um, you know, and, and, um, but, you know, we knew the time had come and he was in a, a, a care facility in a, in a different state from where my mom lived. That was, that's one of the tricky parts about living in rural Colorado, that the closest healthcare was 65 miles away in a different state. Um, and so, you know, he was, was there and we had made the decision to, um, let him go and, you know, and, 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 you know, and then it kind of, you know, took a couple of days and, and things like that. And I, I remember, you know, it was funny. Some of the nurses told me, have you told him it's okay? And I thought he would think that was the wackiest thing in the world. And so, no. Um, and, and I mean, that just wasn't, that wasn't us. I mean, you yeah. know, we, we wouldn't have had that conversation. It's but, not okay to go dad. I, love I, know, you. I don't want yeah, you to go, right? Yeah. You know, and, and, but um, you know, we had friends who were in that town where, where he was and, we went to shower mom and I, and, and I don't know why we both went, but we both went to shower and he passed while we were gone. And I know that whatever was left in there of him, he didn't want us to see it. 
And and he waited until we were gone, um, you know. And and so it's it's interesting, kind of how these things play out, uh, you know. There because I think there is still something that you know that you know he he had that last little bit of control, and you know and 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 I remember they called us and we thought, well, you know, we'll finish showering. <laughs> you know, at that point it was, um, you know, and, the and family the- stories are are really interesting. Uh, my mom passed. Uh, I had slept next to her that night mm-hmm. and I had gotten up to go get her meds and mm-hmm. to get my lead aid and my sister to help mm-hmm. me because I was, I was the one in charge and they mm-hmm. were the administers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we all had our roles right. and responsibilities. Yes. You were the charge I was, nurse. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was better at doing, you know, mm-hmm. the, the comforting, mm-hmm. but not the administration mm-hmm. of the meds. Right. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I left the room and my lead aid, Millie had mm-hmm. run into the room, uh, hearing me get up mm-hmm. and said, Nancy's she's gone. Now she hadn't gone. She hadn't mm-hmm. passed when I was there with her. Mm. So she waited for me mm-hmm. just to leave the mm-hmm. room and do that. Right. And um, I think there's a gentleness that, mm-hmm. that our parents and people we love do that mm-hmm. um, intentionally. We don't know right. it till, till we've right. gone through it, mm-hmm. but I get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I did all my care work from 1200 miles away. Mm-hmm. Right. So oh, I get yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and one of the things you mentioned that is, is very critical to all of this is that advocacy part. Um, you know, when someone is, ill or when they are in hospice or, you know, all of those varying degrees in between, they need that advocate. Um, And I definitely found that out when I was so ill because I was terribly, terribly ill. And I was incredibly fortunate. My mom came um, and, and then, you know, of course my husband was in charge, but, you know, between the two of them, and and some friends and and um, my aunt and and some other people. I was never alone. I was in the hospital for seven weeks, and uh-huh. you know I was almost never alone. And and that was so important. Mm-hmm. But I remember later on, um, you know, like I had to go to a rehab facility um, because you know, when you've been in a hospital a really long time, things like your leg muscles <laughs> you know, don't yep. work right, and Absolutely. and so they you know they send you to to rehab. And so I was there, and it was it, it was important to me. To let the to 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 be that advocate both for myself, but more importantly for others. Um, you know, I remember there was an aide who deliberately hurt me. Now, um, you know, I was probably close to the youngest person in this facility. Um, you know, and if if not the youngest, there weren't too many of us in in my age range. Most were in there. You know, clearly clearly much more elderly. But this aide deliberately hurt me, and um, and got you know we got her fired. And they asked, you know, do you want us to call the police? And and I said, you know, we just need to make sure she never does this again. Right. But when I was talking to the administrator, I said, hey, you know, here's the important thing. I was able to stand up for myself. How many people has she hurt who couldn't say anything? Either they just simply could not or they were fearful of or, you know, a lot of especially the the older people you don't question authority and you especially don't question medical authority. And so I told them, I said, you know, I'm not doing this to get people in trouble. I am doing this for the people who can't speak out. Um, You know, and, and I think that's one of the most important things is that you have someone who is there to be your advocate, to say, wait a minute. Um, You know, even just simple things like one of the times when I was in the hospital, they came trucking in with, you know, little thing of little pill. And I looked at it and I said, what's that? And they said, doctor Asking ordered good it. question. Yeah. yeah. Doctor ordered it. I said, what doctor? Doctor. I said, no, no, there's only one doctor that is permitted to order things for me. Um, and, and I said, but what is this? What is it for? And they said, well, the doctor ordered it. And so I took it and I put it on my little table. And pretty soon I ended up with this little row of these little pills because I would not take them. I did not know what they were for or who prescribed them. And when my doctor came in, he went, what the <clears throat> is that? And I said, I don't know. Um, and I said, but I wasn't going to take it because I knew you hadn't prescribed it. And the staff could not tell me what it was for. I mean, and that just really concerned me that that things like that happen. And it happens you know, it's a lot. not that anybody's trying to, to hurt people. I mean, you know. That you know, bless our medical staff. You know, they they're very overworked. They um, you know, they they are doing the best with what they have. And but sometimes things happen. Um, and that's I think one of the biggest things where the advocate comes in is to say, now wait a minute, <laughs> what the heck is that? You know, the most powerful word that we forget that we have at our disposal is the word no. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, as, as I like to say, no is a complete sentence. Mm-hmm. You do not need to explain right. why. Mm-hmm. And my husband went through a similar thing mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years ago with uh, kidney stones mm-hmm. in, in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And they, they were giving him meds. And mm-hmm. he said, no, that's, mm-hmm. that's not what I'm going to take. Right. And they said, you have to. And mm-hmm. he said, no, I don't. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's this sense where sometimes the hospital people will think, oh, he's got dementia. Mm-hmm. which you can get hospital-induced right. delirium oh, yeah. mm-hmm. very easily. Mm-hmm. And it can happen at any age. It's mm-hmm. not an older person. Oh, I'd have so, so much anesthesia that my right? brain shorted yep. out. Mm-hmm. It happens. It does mm-hmm. happen just by also being in, in mm-hmm. an environment that you're mm-hmm. not used to and in a dark room, mm-hmm. which many hospital rooms are. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, being able to be forceful and strong mm-hmm. and have your voice heard or mm-hmm. have somebody else voice it for you is, mm-hmm. is very important. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and... One of the things too is you mentioned, you know, that you were were doing this from twelve hundred miles away. Yes. You know, we we are, you know, some of us. I'm, I'm, you know, my husband and I are like you and your husband. We don't have kids, so we're not the sandwich generation. You know, right. we're not having to care for, but you know, we're the bread. Yes, that's <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah, we're on both sides, and you know, but how when we have to become that caregiver? I think that's probably one of the most complicated things, and. You know, because our parents, you know, they're that's not what you know, they they don't want us to be the caregiver, they're supposed to be the caregivers. But how does it, you know, what happens when you're not there and you're still having to 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 have your business, to have your career, to to work and and do all of the things that, that you still need to be doing? I organized it, you know, I, I joked and I called the work that I did to to take care of mom and dad is mom and dad inc. Mm-hmm. So it was mm-hmm. just business do. <laughs> And um, I had aides that I hired. Mm -hmm. Mom and dad had been in care facility originally. Mm -hmm. They wanted to go there to, uh, according to my folks. And we had these conversations Mm -hmm. that I don't want my my dad said, I don't want us to be a burden Mm -hmm. to you and your sister, Mm -hmm. but I trust you, Nancy, to, to make medical decisions, Mm -hmm. to make financial decisions Mm -hmm. and any legal decisions. So I was, I I was sort of the big kahuna Mm -hmm. (laughs) there in their eyes. You were the CEO. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. CEO of mom and dad Inc. Mm -hmm. But when I saw, the, their decline at the facility mm-hmm. and the cost of their care went from $3,500 a month to $30,000 a month overnight. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, um, and this was a considered a very good care facility mm-hmm. down here. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was, I kept complaining and I was like, mom's having problems. She has said she's having problems with your mm-hmm. site. And, and I nicknamed everybody. So the head nurse, I named Nick nurse ratchet mm-hmm. and, and I had Tweedledum and dumb Tweedle mm-hmm. <laughs> and the, the kind, actually the kindest people in the whole facility were the ones, the little housekeepers that were probably right. not even oh. making barely mm-hmm. minimum wage. Mm-hmm. I and, loved my aides when I was oh in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and, they were the ones who pulled me inside and said, Miss mm-hmm. Nancy, we know you care. We see it mm-hmm. in your heart and your words and your mm-hmm. actions when you're here. We have to let you know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So um, mom was having TIAs. I didn't mm-hmm. know what TIAs were. Mm-hmm. Many strokes. She had mm-hmm. had heart issues beyond, mm-hmm. but she started to go downhill pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And if I showed you the pictures of what they look like then, almost Mm -hmm. like 12 years ago, Mm -hmm. versus what they look like when they passed, Mm -hmm. you would think that the age had reversed the other way around. Right. They they look like they were ready to die in the care facility. So mm-hmm. when also being in charge of finances, mm-hmm. I sat my dad down, who was cognitively strong mm-hmm. right to the end. Mom, mm-hmm. not so much. Um, I said, Dad, I want to sit you down and explain the finances, mm-hmm. and this is how they're going. Right. Um, I'm worried. Mm-hmm. And he said, and I had to fire a financial advisor who mm-hmm. I did. I worked on Finra complaints. That's a whole mm-hmm. other story. But. Um, he said, can we leave now? And I said, no, mm-hmm. our contract says we must give 30 days notice, mm-hmm. but I just want to, I, we were partnership. Mm-hmm. So I needed his buy-in mm-hmm. as much as my decision, which I knew was right. right. And I knew he would buy into mm-hmm. that, but I wanted him to not feel that he had lost total control. Mm-hmm. And in everything that I did, even long distance, I tried to keep them involved as mm-hmm. much as they right. wanted to be mm-hmm. because it was still their life. Yes. Mm-hmm. And being able to to run it like a business, manage mm-hmm. the finances. I had my accountants, my financial advisor, attorneys that I needed, my aides mm-hmm. fired an agency. I hired my own aides. Mm-hmm. I had uh, ideally six worked well when you're doing 24 or seven round mm-hmm. the clock because people's schedule mm-hmm. shows on right. and off. Mm-hmm. You can't rely on one or two mm-hmm. unless they're moving. And even still, mm-hmm. 
Do you rely on one? Mm-hmm. What happens when they get sick? What happens right. if they need yeah. some time off? Yeah. You cannot have just one. Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine you doing it by yourself mm-hmm. and right. lots of people do, mm-hmm. but that's how I ran it. And I always had an, a, a lead, you know, mm-hmm. I, I let one lead go at one point who mm-hmm. sort of burned out and went downhill. Mm-hmm. And my other lead was with me for nine years mm-hmm. and we're still in close contact. Mm-hmm. I had talked to her this morning. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, she was, I always refer to her as my right, my, not my right hand, but my right and my left hand mm-hmm. and cameras and phones mm-hmm. and conversations. We had weekly calls. Mm-hmm. I did monthly calls with the group aides via mm-hmm. zoom or chat so that everybody knew that mm-hmm. I was still the one in charge, but when I'm not there, the boss was Millie. Mm-hmm. Right. That's it. Mm-hmm. And, and any questions mm-hmm. you could always go to me, but day-to-day operations, mm-hmm. if there are concerns and questions on care and mm-hmm. what needed to be done, Millie was the one. Right. And then we had cameras. Mm-hmm. And cameras were not just for fear of, of who we had in our home, mm-hmm. but we used them as training aids. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes you bring in a new aid and mm-hmm. we train them and you say, okay, so, you know, Susie, you, you're doing great, mm-hmm. but I want to show you exactly. Right. You say you're doing this, mm-hmm. but this is exactly what's happening. Mm-hmm. And and how can we help you mm-hmm. do it better? Mm-hmm. Um, so I I did crazy crazy things like you know disc disc reviews. You know where you mm-hmm. do personality tests. Mm-hmm. So everybody right. knew what was mm-hmm. going on in the personalities. Mm-hmm. They must have thought I was the biggest nutcase on the world, but it helped me to have mm-hmm. a better understanding because I wasn't right. there all the mm-hmm. time. Yeah, but I yeah. rely on a good anchor, mm-hmm. and that's right. key. Right. You know, and, and what you're talking about is so important. You took a very active role. And I think so many times, you know, we, we mentioned, you know, people don't want to question. You need to question, um, Constantly. you know, and, and, and if, if any caregiver or anybody says don't call, you know, or, or things like that, it's like, no, no, no. Um, you know, I was, I, I still have a plethora of doctors that, that trust, I trust, but verify right. as they say, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. You know, like in my oncologist office, there is a sign on the door that says you do not leave if your questions haven't been answered. And, you know, and, and when I talk with people, because I, I actually, you know, I, I came at this a weird way. I actually used to work for the American Cancer Society and I worked for an oncologist. So I tell people, I know just enough to be dangerous. Um, but I always tell them, you know, take somebody with you, kind of back to that advocacy thing. Yep. But, you know, because when you hear, if you go in and you've got a bad cold, you get home and you go, now, when was I supposed to take that medicine? <laughs> but when something catastrophic or even, you know, fairly serious happens, your brain again shuts off. So have that other person there. And I said, but, you know, take notes, record it. You know, and, and and I have said for years, you know, feel free to to record it. And so I was in, you know, one of my other uh, plethora of doctors' offices, and they had a sign up that said, "We do not allow recording." And I thought, huh. And I know it's a liability reason, sure. um, but it's like no, you know. Now I'm I'm not at the point where I need to have be recording anything, but. You know, there, there are times where, and, and if I felt I needed to, I would tell them you have one choice, you know, this, this I'm recording this or I leave. But you notify them and, and put yes. them on notice. Mm-hmm. You're recording and you say, this right. is, I'm yeah. doing this. Here's my phone. I I've got it here in front of us. You can see that I'm doing this. I can't um, trust that I'm going yeah. to remember mm-hmm. everything that right. you said. And I want to make sure that if I have questions later on, yeah. I can always come back yeah. to you. with. Yeah. Them. Or I can look at the recording and not have to pester you. Um, right. But, but yeah, I mean, you know, we always, you know, you, you need to feel that you can, can talk, can talk to anybody at, you know, at, at any level, um, you know, and, 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 you know, like one of the things I had told my mom was, you know, like I mentioned, she was 65 miles away from where dad was. Yeah. And I said, mom, you need to vary when you go visit because you don't, you want them to always think you could appear within the next half hour. And, and I said, and of course she, you know, she wouldn't do that. She's very organized. And so she went every Tuesday at 10 o'clock. And so they knew have Don Gore looking nice Tuesday at 10 o'clock. Um, you know, and, and so I tell people now nah, those pop inspections, those are good things. Um, you know, I used and, to and tell he, my dad, don't tell anybody I'm coming down. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a secret. Right. Mm-hmm. And my dad couldn't do that. He like mm-hmm. the world knew. I think the entire oh, yes. town, uh-huh. probably uh-huh. the entire uh-huh. county Nancy's knew coming. I was coming. <laughs> 
I would refer to my, so my nickname for myself was the Wicked Witch from the North because I would fly down. Fly in on your broomstick from the North. Exactly. And and then start saying things. But I took mom and dad out of a care facility because the quality wasn't there. Mm -hmm. And we ended up renting and then buying a house and putting, you know, the investment into the house, which is, Mm -hmm. which was the best thing. Mm -hmm. The quality of the care surpassed everything. Mm -hmm. And, and the cost and management of that care was a lot easier than Mm -hmm. having to fight those battles. Right. Right. That was our choice Mm -hmm. or my choice. Yeah. You know, and, and obviously cost is, is a huge concern for, for most people, Um, you know, and, and, but you know, it, it, it's it thirty thousand dollars a month. I better right. be served lobster oh, yeah. every night. Yeah, they better be serving <laughs> lobster and champagne. You know, <laughs> um, but you know, it, we've also seen some of the ones that are you know, uh, you know, a, 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 an inexpensive facility. Um, you know, it still have phenomenal care. Absolutely. Um, you know, yes. and and so, and I think that's maybe one of the things that that I see with people is they assume that because they're paying an extravagant amount. They're expecting that things are just okay, um, or, or not just okay. That they're wonderful, you know. And, and I tell people, yeah. well, it's it's like a hotel. I mean, you know, you exactly. might spend three hundred dollars a night for that hotel room and get in there, and it's dirty. It's you know all sorts of things that are wrong with it. So the cost really doesn't correlate with the level of care. You know, a lot of the care facilities, um, and people don't understand the larger ones, especially, mm-hmm. are designed like REITs, real estate mm-hmm. investment mm-hmm. trusts. Right. So mm-hmm. the the level of the, how the businesses are stacked mm-hmm. is very different than what we assume from the outside. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're marketed. There are lots of new ones that are being mm-hmm. built left and mm-hmm. right. I right. mean, there's oh, new ones down here. Because us little I mean, baby boomers are having to go places. <laughs> <laughs> and we do, we don't necessarily have to like eighty percent of people rather age right. in their own home, mm-hmm. but they're sold like hotels. They're beautiful, mm-hmm. right? And you know, if I'm going to stay in a hotel, it'd be cheaper for me to stay at the Ritz than mm-hmm. it would be at a care facility right. mm-hmm. and still get three meals mm-hmm. a day and room service mm-hmm. and somebody knocking on my door to say, mm-hmm. Nancy, are you in there? Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, room mm-hmm. services, I'll probably get better room service yeah. and better cleaning I mean, service. I mean, we hear stories about, you know, not now, but people who live on cruise ships, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, and, and things like that, because they, they are, they're, they're in many cases saving money, yeah. but they're getting they're getting to explore, you know, they might never leave their stateroom or, you know, some things like that, but they're, you know, they're, they're having a phenomenal The time. view always changes on the port. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and they have, you know, people that clearly, you know, care for them um, and, and, you know, they're not changing staff a lot. So, you know, it's, it's the same pursers and, and things like that. And same thing with hotels. I mean, you know, I've, I've seen stories where, you know, you know, the little old dude moves into the local holiday inn, you know, it works out fine. And it's it, like you said, it's probably less expensive. Yeah. And he gets his sheets changed every day. <laughs> every day. Unless you put the little green sign out there yeah. saying I don't need to, right? Yeah. yeah. So cool, cool. Well, you know, I mentioned at the start that you do several things. And so let's talk about the other business venture that you do. And you work with individuals and, and companies regarding board positions. So tell us a little bit more about this. So um, I have worked with boards of directors, paid for, for profit, typically Mm -hmm. um, public companies to help them build their boards, Mm -hmm. add new directors, Mm -hmm. uh, make the decisions on how Mm -hmm. do we uh, do due diligence on Mm -hmm. incoming directors Mm -hmm. that they've already selected or make the decision to have that conversation to Mm -hmm. remove a director. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also have moved into, because that's a whole different world and Mm -hmm. it's, it's a great world. Actually, Mm -hmm. I got into it because um, over the years, the the CEOs that I worked with said, geez, you think a little differently. Can, can you help me with my Mm -hmm. board? And I thought, Mm -hmm. Sure. That was before that before mm-hmm. me, the whole business became hot, mm-hmm. we'll call it right. Everybody mm-hmm. wants to be on a board. And I said, sure, you know, I can have that mm-hmm. conversation. How do we think about this a little mm-hmm. bit more strategically? How do you make your board mm-hmm. a better asset to you as the CEO? Mm-hmm. And and vice versa, mm-hmm. because you want to make sure you have the good the good relationship. But over the years, I found that uh, there is an exceptional number of candidates that would have been great directors, but they didn't have the tools and wherewithal that could help me mm-hmm. put them in the right position to sell ah. them well. Mm-hmm. So they didn't have bios. They didn't mm-hmm. have resumes that were done right. Um, mm-hmm. They didn't prepare properly. They didn't know exactly what the role mm-hmm. was. They didn't know how to present themselves mm-hmm. in, a, in a way that was in a board position, which is mm-hmm. a different type of position mm-hmm. of authority than an employee mm-hmm. or a consultant right. or an outside mm-hmm. advisor. 
And the two roles are very different. Mm -hmm. So I got into coaching individuals. I was pulled into it through another person who said, Mm -hmm. you should, you should charge for this. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and those that weren't prepared, Mm-hmm. I just didn't present them. Uh, right. Good people lost. Mm-hmm. I had one fellow who was a CEO of a very well-known company said, uh, I don't need a resume. People know me by name. You know just who me. I am. Mm-hmm. It, very much so. And I said, no, they may know who you are, but mm-hmm. if you're not willing to take the time to prepare, then that also tells me mm-hmm. right up front what kind of director you're going to mm-hmm. be. Right. You're mm-hmm. not going to be on board. You're not going to be committed. Mm-hmm. You're going to be self-absorbed, but they're mm-hmm. self-absorbed. Mm-hmm. And they weren't going to take the time mm-hmm. to really put mm-hmm. the energy into doing the job mm-hmm. well. Right. You know, and it's interesting because this was something that until recently I hadn't really thought about. You know, we all, you know, many of us think about serving on nonprofit boards mm-hmm. um, and, and many of us do, you know, whether it's, you know, the, your church board or, you know, your local cancer society or, you know, whatever it is, you serve on those boards. Um, you know, a lot of people, PTAs, things like that. But businesses, for-profit entities that have boards of directors pay those people. Correct. And you know, and pay them handsomely, obviously depending on, on what the company is. And it was so funny. I was looking, you know, we we've we've got the Olympics going on right now. You know, da 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 um <laughs> right, you, you, you hear those and you get a chill. Um but I was looking at Michael Phelps because he's you know he's he's no longer um swimming and it looks like his job now is obviously spokesperson and, and he gets you know a lot of things like that. And and but he also serves on several boards of directors. Now part of it is they want that name. Um yep. you know that that does kind of you know but he's being paid probably very handsomely to serve on those boards. But so many people have skills and talent that aren't the Michael Phelps of the world. And those are the people that that businesses truly do need. Correct. Correct. Yeah, Michael Phelps is certainly a figurehead. I don't. Mm-hmm. I haven't looked to see what board he's on or which mm-hmm. board he's on. But my guess is there's sports related types of businesses or yeah, something. You know, I looked at whatever it was. It was like, oh, okay. I mean, it made yeah. sense when I when I yeah. saw it. Um, but but typically, you know, you want good good people with good mm-hmm. judgment and mm-hmm. a broad enough knowledge to bring an outside perspective mm-hmm. and help the CEO and the management team. Mm-hmm. Make sure that they're questioning what they're doing well. Mm-hmm. So they're out right. um, ahead of the curve mm-hmm. as opposed to behind the curve and mm-hmm. managing the competition. I mean, you can't manage the competition, but understanding, mm-hmm. excuse me, I'm going to sneeze, mm-hmm. maybe not. But uh, anyway, <laughs> I can feel it coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's, that's, really, that's really key. And, mm-hmm. and a good board is a huge asset to a mm-hmm. company. Right. Um, a bad board mm-hmm. can be a ball and chain mm-hmm. and a think the last number I saw that something like three quarters of the directors think that um, three quarters of them should go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's also very difficult to uh, remove a director. It shouldn't be. Right. Directors are uncomfortable having those discussions mm-hmm. with their board. So the chairman typically makes that, has that mm-hmm. discussion. The chairman of the nomgov and the chairman of the board of mm-hmm. director will have, pull somebody aside and say, it's time for you to go, mm-hmm. Deb. Yes. Um, ah, and mm-hmm. You know, or it could be an age issue. Mm-hmm. It could be an overcommitment issue. It could be the wrong person at the wrong time mm-hmm. for that particular mm-hmm. company. And they right. need to add greater strength in mm-hmm. different ways. Right. But there are a myriad of reasons right. why. Well, and clearly, you know, especially one of the big things would be if your CEO, if your senior management changes, um, you know, it's it's just like when you have, you know, you, you have employees that no longer fit. You're or you're acquired. Have, yeah. Yeah. You know, your board no longer fits. And, you know, the biggest companies in the world, I mean, you know, you hear Warren Buffett talk about the advice he gets from his board. Um, you know, there are some others like, you know, uh, Elon Musk probably needs to pay attention to his a little bit more. Um, ExxonMobil had three new outside yeah, directors that yeah. got voted on mm-hmm. because uh, things were not mm-hmm. necessarily mm-hmm. going uh, the way. Right. The world. You know, so if somebody thinks, hey, this sounds interesting, what are the next steps? So the next steps and it really is to make sure that I say they have their, and I put in quotes, marketing material mm-hmm. on hand. Mm-hmm. So it's is a good board bio right. and a good board resume. And a board bio is very different than a job bio. 
Correct. Correct. Mm -hmm. As is a board resume. Mm -hmm. So you've got to really use the right words and the right Mm -hmm. terminology that puts you in a position of decisiveness Mm -hmm. that shows your accomplishments in a way. Mm -hmm. And and the numbers and how you present that is a very different Mm -hmm. way to paint a package Mm -hmm. than if you're looking for the next employee job. Because you are now at a higher level, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily your higher level, mm-hmm. you know, emotionally, mm-hmm. but you are technically at a different mm-hmm. level than let's say a CFO mm-hmm. and not that a CFO couldn't be on the board anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that was your starting point. Then the other way is to really understand what industries and what types mm-hmm. of businesses you could mm-hmm. serve well. Mm-hmm. Just because, let's say, I'm picking on banking right now, mm-hmm. just because you're in the banking industry doesn't necessarily mean that you couldn't do something well in the real estate right. Uh, right. industry. Because it's the maybe skills you that experience. you have. Well, and your exposure to certain industries. Mm-hmm. So I'll give an example of, of one person I knew who had um, experience in the pharmaceutical mm-hmm. industry, but their background was also in the technology aspect of pharmaceuticals ah. and analytics. Mm-hmm. And they ended up on a, on a high tech business board. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had been many years in, mm-hmm. the, in the private equity, mm-hmm. but then couldn't make it into, has a, was having a difficult time making to a for well, mm-hmm. Private equity is for profit, but into a public mm-hmm. company board. Mm-hmm. And that transition was just as much um, focused on how to craft mm-hmm. that information, that mm-hmm. story, as well as what was going inside their mm-hmm. head. Mm-hmm. Uh, how are you having those conversations? <laughs> mm-hmm. How do you make the ask without, I say, being a pain in the mm-hmm. butt? <laughs> uh, being that you're a family show. <laughs> mm-hmm. A pain in the tuchus. <laughs> and they took us. Uh, how to make sure that you're sh- you're conveying value mm-hmm. without extracting too much about mm-hmm. yourself. So there's ways to have those conversations and then move the needle forward mm-hmm. so that when the decision comes, you are the front runner. Mm-hmm. To manage the strategy and the politics of what's going on mm-hmm. inside the board. Mm-hmm. To understand the CEO relationship. Mm-hmm. And if you do not get along with the CEO of a company on any board that you're right. interviewing, you are not going to get on that board yeah. unless they're firing mm-hmm. CEO. Mm-hmm. Right. So not that they are the be all and end all, mm-hmm. but they are the one who can put that last mm-hmm. dig in if yeah. need be. Yeah. So or they're going to make really it miserable good. if you are on the board. And the interesting thing is that over the course of the years, now, especially with these boards are thinking about diversity, mm-hmm. I will get middle-aged white men who say, well, I'm a middle-aged white male. I'll never get on a board. Mm-hmm. That's, that's BS. Mm-hmm. Right. Are you kidding me? There's mm-hmm. still a large percentage of mm-hmm. men on the board. Right. They still need men in talent. They still mm-hmm. need that they diversity. They need that skill and that knowledge. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So don't think of, I call it head trash or mm-hmm. um, in, in my coaching, I call it the itty bitty shitty committee. Like mm-hmm. all those bad things. Right. That are those your little voices going. Ding, 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 ding. Mm-hmm. And, and the women's conversation mm-hmm. sometimes is too aggressive. Right. Mm-hmm. In certain areas and sometimes mm-hmm. needs to be just the edges taken mm-hmm. off in a way that you are not a threat. Mm-hmm. to the guys. Right. Uh, and how you have that understanding that relationship mm-hmm. is, is really key. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the, the key points. And then, you know, and then it's the networking. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you need to go? How do you make those conversations? Right. Where, which pond do you fish How in? do you even find out that there are uh, opportunities available? Right. Exactly. And even knowing which pond to fish in. So mm-hmm. my, my, my conversation with many is like, you know, you'll go fishing up North. I, I, April, first weekend of April was fishing mm-hmm. season and you'd see everybody else fishing in the pond and, mm-hmm. and maybe one or two would come out with a fish. Mm-hmm. Well, many of these networks that people go to are the same way. Mm-hmm. You got all these people who are the wannabe directors and they're all fishing in the same pond. Mm-hmm. Right. But the smart director or perspective mm-hmm. drains the pond mm-hmm. metaphorically to see if there's any fish in the pond right. to begin with. Yeah. And most you might have been don't. fishing where there was no fish. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's interesting to see how those relationships blossom mm-hmm. over time. So if you're a jerk to somebody who wants to be on a board and you want to be on a board and mm-hmm. all of a sudden they got on a board, guess what? They mm-hmm. are not going to pay attention to you mm-hmm. because you've been the jerk. Right. That, like mm-hmm. poo-poo them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, and the male-female dynamics, there's mm-hmm. so many stories that we can mm-hmm. get into and experiences, but it really comes down to how do you market yourself? Mm-hmm. How do you have those conversations? How do you build the tight bond mm-hmm. in the right pond with mm-hmm. the right people at the right time? Right. And it's very targeted on how to do it well. Mm-hmm. Right. 
You know, and and I'm assuming it is wise to start small. Um, you know, you're not going not to be on buff- Well, yeah, that's true. Depending on what your skill set is um, and what experience you have. So, if you've never been, you know, even working a Fortune 500, mm-hmm. chances are you're not going to get on a Fortune mm-hmm. 500 board. If you've only worked in a 10 million dollar company, you're going to be in a right. smaller cap company mm-hmm. board. Mm-hmm. But if you've worked in a 20 billion dollar mm-hmm. company whatever number that might be, Mm, uh, you know, you might have a chance to get there Mm -hmm. unless you've been so far down the totem pole that Mm -hmm. you don't have a chance to do so. Right. Right. And getting on a not-for-profit board Mm -hmm. is not a way to market yourself on a for-profit board. Everybody's told the women, women Mm -hmm. especially have been told that, Mm -hmm. you know, getting on a Mm not-for-profit board is a way to get to your for-profit. That's Mm -hmm. nonsense. Yeah. I, I serve on nonprofit boards First of all, for the altruistic reasons, um, you, know, you believe in whatever it is. Yep. Um, but yep. it is also to make connections. Yes. But it's yeah, yeah, you know, it's and and I mean that's always been like I I served on a board in Denver where you know I went oh this this seems fun, but then of course the first thing I did was I looked at who the other people were. I went oh these are people I need to meet. Yeah. So you know so it's there, but you know that they it, may it, write the checks but still never show up, right? Right. Yep. Oh yes. Yeah. You know and and so you know serving on any type of board, it's all always, you know, always challenging. Um, but and every board position is a responsibility, mm-hmm. whether it's a for-profit, not-for-profit. Right. An yeah, you are board. committing to a certain number of meetings, you know, whatever it is. And they should explain that to you, you know, that, that um, exactly. What are my roles and responsibilities? Mm-hmm. Right. What, do you, what are your expectations? Mm-hmm. If I don't meet that expectations, mm-hmm. how do we have those conversations? Right. If you right. don't meet my expectations, mm-hmm. how do we have those conversations? Right. Yeah. You know, and and they should have that. They should have it in in a document that they can give you. Not um, all do, but yeah, the you know, and, and because it ends up being kind of loosey goosey. But yeah, I'm I'm serving on a new board, and it hasn't even met yet. Um, and so, and it won't meet in person until October. Hopefully, we're meeting in person. Um, but I said, is there something I should be doing between now and then? And they went, uh. Okay, fine. As long as, you know, as long as I'm not missing something I'm supposed to be doing, um, you know, then, but that was, you know, it was like, okay, really? All right. I've been approached um, uh, a number of times by people who say, geez, you know, your background looks great. Mm-hmm. I'd really like to talk to you about mm-hmm. being on my board. And I'm like, can you tell me more about that first? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I just recently got something on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. I think you'd be perfect for, in this particular case, mm-hmm. it was an advisory, a, mm-hmm. a, a digital advisory board. And I said, um, one, my time is limited, mm-hmm. you know, two, send me some information mm-hmm. up front so I can make an assessment mm-hmm. before I waste my time and your time right. on a conversation. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be, you know, the mm-hmm. PETA, the pain in the, you mm-hmm. know what, yeah. you know, before to that took us <laughs> and you, but you, yeah, mm-hmm. I must have a, a, a butt fetish, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's important mm-hmm. to know that, uh, somebody that you're approaching is going to do their due diligence. Right. You want that because then it means they're committed to you. Great. Well, oh my gosh, Nancy, we are almost at the top of the hour. One thing that we didn't mention is you have written a fabulous book. It kind of goes back to the first part of the conversation called How to Survive 911 Medical Emergencies, um, Step-by-Step Believe or believe before, before. it's a little tiny print here before, during, and after. Um, so you know, that's that's a great book. You I should do that for boards. Yes, 911 for boards. You know, what are we doing before, during, and after? Um, because it, it would make sense. Um, but yeah, so tell us how people find you and how they connect with you. So, um, they can connect with me, um, at uh, on. Board bench, which is uh, mm-hmm. NAM, uh, NAM, yeah, and oh, sorry, yes, NMAY. Mm-hmm. <laughs> been a while since I've mentioned my email address, anybody, but NMAY at boardbench.com if you're okay. interested in board work. Mm-hmm. If you're interested in any information on the book, mm-hmm. you can go to howtosurvive911.com. You can download a free file of life. Mm-hmm. If you do not know what a file of life, everybody should have one. It's all mm-hmm. your medical emergency mm-hmm. information that you'd always have. I have one mm-hmm. on in my cell phone on mm-hmm. print. Don't do mm-hmm. it electronically. Mm-hmm. Because in case of emergency, mm-hmm. nobody's going to be flipping through your apps. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I, I um, have a printed version. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And uh, more, more ER doctors have told me uh, only about ten or fifteen percent of emergency room patients come in with that information, mm-hmm. and they are lifesavers. They said they could right. save more lives mm-hmm. if people came in with right. that. Even so. if it's just basic things like what medicines you're taking. Um, yep. and you know, cause that's, that's a critical thing. I mean, they give you the wrong medicine, Allergic relations, who to contact in case yep. of emergency mm-hmm. or doctors, mm-hmm. whatever right. it might allergies. be. Allergies. Oh my gosh. Press you give that. me a shot of penicillin and we're going to have a problem. <laughs> Pre- 
but you know, prosthetic devices. Mm-hmm. I mean, glasses are a prosthetic. Mm-hmm. You can't read. You know, the print, fine print. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. Uh, dental implants, pacemakers, mm-hmm. um, anything. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So, what was that website again? How to survive nine one one dot com. Perfect. I yeah. love it. I love it. Well, Nancy, this has been fabulous. And and it's I think one of the fun things is seeing that as entrepreneurs, we can do multiple things, but it does all kind of tie back together. Um, you know, and and I think that's the thing is, you know, what what our passion is in, it can spread out to multiple things, but it it does highlight certain aspects. Knowing how to work with boards of directors mm-hmm. helped me um, go against what I call the death panel at the mm-hmm. hospital with mm-hmm. my dad right. when they did not want to do work mm-hmm. on him. And I mm-hmm. said, no, you were going to do that. And I met mm-hmm. with a hospital board and their lawyers mm-hmm. um, literally 20 minutes before mm-hmm. a procedure that they didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. And it saved his life at the right. time. So, mm-hmm. yep. Yep. Yeah. You and it and- does transfer. Yeah. And, and you can never be too prepared. I think that is, is, yeah. you know, the, the biggest thing. Well, Nancy, this has been fabulous. Do you have any final words of wisdom for everyone? Oh, geez. If you're interested in a board, um, make sure that this is something that you have the time and wherewithal Mm -hmm. and energy to do Mm -hmm. so because good boards are great to have, but every board at some point in the course of their, the business's lifetime will, will explode. Mm -hmm. Something will go wrong. Uh, Just like in our lives, not every day is a perfect. So, um, and if you are caring or about to care for somebody that you love that might be older or even a spouse, mm-hmm. know that you can do it with, with dignity and grace, and you can still keep your work life in balance too. Not all the time, but every now yeah. and then, uh, you know, you can, you can do both and you can do both well. Great. I love it. Well, I've been having a fascinating discussion with Nancy May. We will definitely have to do it again, but until then I'm Deb Creer and everyone have a great day. Thank you, Deb. Tune in for our next program for even more trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. The Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer, is proud to be part of the C-Suite Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.